It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 8.06 on a Saturday morning, 70 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful, however you define the word success. And let's go to the phones quicker here because Greg does not have a plant problem. Greg has a people problem. What's your problem, Greg? Hey, good morning, Mr. Hey, man. Good morning. I've been calling you for years um, fighting that bamboo fight. Uh, my mother has it on her property, and it, it is a constant battle. Yeah, sure. And so um, we actually rented a chipper, cut a whole bunch of it down, and, I mean, worked all day. And, I mean, it comes back almost immediately. I used Roundup and everything. Her neighbor spent thousands of dollars pulling it up out of his yard, having to dig it up with a tractor. So my brother-in-law is – um, he's in uh, buying his father's house who passed away last year, mm-hmm. and um, he wants to plant a barrier wall, and he uh, wants to use bamboo. Uh, and learn by example, learn by seeing what y'all have had to do over the years. <laughs> no, sir. And he thinks it's going to look beautiful. He loves the the the, the bamboo, the look. And uh, I just told him it goes underground. Yeah. And I just wanted him to hear it from you. And he's not going to make friends with his neighbors. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> once you get started, you can't stop it. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Other than I mentioned in the previous uh, segment, who we were talking to the guy who was controlling the bamboo, if you are good and put a barrier down, conceivably, I'm not saying absolutely this will work, but conceivably, your brother-in-law could make a barrier between his property and anybody else's property, just let the bamboo grow inside this restricted area. But um, I would certainly go to the website for the people in Alabama who have the big bamboo barrier materials and the videos and all online and so show what they do so that he does install it correctly so there's no gaps and no way, no way for the bamboo to get underneath or around it or over it or anything like that. But, but uh, if you want that's probably a big job, right? I mean, that's that's going to be a lot of work. It's digging some digging some dirt, but it's a one-time thing. That's the good news. It's not a two-year process. It's a one-time thing. Dig a trench, put the barrier in the trench, backfill, and then every week or two or three or four maybe, just go out and walk around it, scrape off the leaves that fall down and make sure your barrier has not been uh, come over. The, sometimes roots will climb over the top, so you make sure the roots have not climbed over the top. But that's just an easy job compared to getting a tractor, digging up the roots, spraying with Roundup, chopping the sprouts over, renting the chipper, and all the things y'all had to do initially. Come on. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I appreciate it. I know that I hear these bamboo calls, and I tell you, it gets it gets it's growing up underneath. It gets into my yeah. yard. Yeah, I yeah. got shoots coming up, and it's I can't get stuff to go away. And the problem is that some people have read that there are two different kinds of bamboos. There are running bamboos and clumping bamboos. And sadly, the clumping bamboos are much more tropical than they are hardy in the Atlanta area. Uh, There are a couple of people around who say, I have a clumping bamboo that is working pretty good, but well, it gets hit during the winter times. So I can't recommend a clumping bamboo that I know is going to be hardy in Atlanta. Most everything that's hardy here is a running type that just goes, well, you know where it goes. Okay. Well, Mr. Reeves, thank you, sir, for taking my call. Good talking to you, Greg. Thanks for calling. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Bamboo, bamboo. When are we ever going to be 
finish with the bamboo question. Steve, well, when are we going to be finished with the crepe myrtle suckers question either? Hey, Steve, good morning. What's you got? Hey, good morning, Walter. Hey, Steve. Good morning, Walter. Hey, man. Uh, got a crepe myrtle that uh, I, we just bought the property yeah. about a month ago, and they let the suckers grow a, a bunch, a bunch, and they cut them back right before we moved in. We're a month in, and I got another forest growing out of the bottom of my crepe myrtle. Yeah. Is there a way for me to cut those and keep them from coming back? Did the folks who owned the house earlier, did they prune the top of it severely back in the wintertime? It looks like it because they're not very tall. Yeah. That's that's most of the problem right there because if this is one of the tree-form big crepe myrtles that wants to be a tree... It's going to have. It's going to try to put on leaves by hook or by crook anywhere it can. If you cut it off at the top, it says, "Man, I want to put some suckers down here at the base." And if you cut off the ones at the base, sometimes there'll be root suckers out in the lawn that'll come up out 20 feet away from the trunk. So the tree yeah, wants to have its way. And if you can let it grow to the height that it wants to grow, eventually the suckers sort of die back down as there's more leaf surface above up in the tree. Than there needs to be at the base of the of the trunk, and there is some stuff, Steve. You might want to try this. As a matter of fact, um, Pike sells a product called Sucker Punch, and uh, Sucker Punch is a is a hormone basically. And you cut the sprouts right close to where they originate and spray it immediately with this hormone, and it keeps the sprouts uh-huh. in that area from re, re coming back out again. So I can do the same thing with the ones that I have seen, and I, I didn't know what it was, but now that you say it, I have seen about 20 feet away from the crepe myrtle, yeah. you know, little sprouts that I'm running over with the mower. So. Yep, that's that's the crepe myrtle saying, come on, man, I'm going to have some leaves out here somehow. <laughs> but, by hook or by crook. Yeah, buy, get some sucker punch to deal with the sprouts as they are right now, and then let the tree, if you possibly, possibly can, see, let the tree become what it wants to be, which is tree form, sure. it sounds like. Sure, sure. All right. Thank you, Walter. All right, Steve. Drive safety. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Comes now. Who comes now next now? Who comes? Uh, Jan, Milledgeville. Way down in Milledgeville. Hey, Jan. Good morning. Good morning. I have a new issue, something other than what everybody else has. <laughs> Good. I'm tired of talking about crepe myrtles and bamboo. What you got? Yes. Um, muley grass. I have two right. muley grass plants that we planted last year. They're young, but um, they're, they're not. One of them is nice and green. The leaves are nice and green, but it just lays flat on the ground. But oh. the other one is getting more leaves that look dead or dry. And we keep thinking, well, maybe we should water it more. But maybe we shouldn't. We're getting a lot of rain here. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what to do with these two muley grass plants. I love muley grass. And, you know, they're both being weird. I think you're zeroing right in on what could be the problem. Muley grass, like most all of the ornamental grasses, wants to be dry during the summertime. Water maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks real deeply. But grasses as a general class of plants, including lawn grasses, like to dry out between waterings. And so if it's rain and rain and rain in Milledgeville and the muley grass never dries out, yeah, that tells me that there's probably some root damage, root rot or something like that. What do you think? Is there any hope? I mean, it's going to continue to rain, so maybe we'll stop watering it. <laughs> yeah, you stop watering. That's one thing to stop doing. You don't water it at all. Okay. And um, we'll see what happens if it's able to recover. I'm not sure it's worth trying to dig it up and re-amend the soil or anything like that, but it's certainly stop watering yourself. Do you think that um, it's getting enough? Would sun be an issue? Do they like more sun, less sun? Ours is 
most sun, but I wouldn't say it's you know all day sun, but it gets a fair amount. What about muley grass? Generally, if it gets between five and six hours a day, that'd be a minimum. But I think five or six hours should be fine. I think it's probably this water issue. I really do because it is. I say we keep watering it because it looks like it's dying, and uh, maybe we're making it worse. I could well be, Jan. <clears throat> could okay. well be. Okay, so just keep at it. Just keep well, an eye on it. Stop keep, the water. Keep, keep at it. Stop the watering. <laughs> keep from it. Keep from watering anymore. That's right. Okay. Otherwise, muley grass are they're pretty re- reliable. Yeah, I would they say. are. Of course, it's a tough plant. You drive sure. back to the ground every winter. You prune it back in January. It comes back up and looks fine as long as it stays pretty dry. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for calling, Jan. Robbie comes to us from Marietta. Robbie, hey, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Hey, um, what's up, I Robbie? I've got some azaleas that are about four foot tall, and I'm going to build a porch, and they're in the way, and I want to move them. Mm. And I know it's hot. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to do it in the next couple of weeks. wanted to yeah. get your recommendations. And my friend Bill, my contractor, said, yeah, we're going to build, start clearing the land behind your house. We'll put that extension on the side of your house. You better move all those hydrangeas and azaleas. I know it's July 4th holiday weekend. You're going to have to move them anyway because we're going to knock them down next week. Which is what I did about what's it been, 10, 15 years ago now, Robbie. Um, I had 15 hydrangeas, about 10, I guess, azaleas back there that were all going to be dyed and put into compost uh, if I didn't dig them up. And so on July the 4th weekend, we dug them all up and we transplanted those things. And I think almost everyone survived because we were really, really good about digging the new place that we put the new put the shrubs into as we transplanted them. So if you have to do it, you have to do it. And the best thing you can do, Robbie, is simply to dig a nice, soft area to transplant them into Try to get as many roots as you possibly can. You might prune it back by a foot or so. Dig it up, put it in, keep an eye on watering during the summertime. And I think most of the time you'll be successful as long as you don't let it dry out. Gotcha. Should I do uh, like a root stimulator? No, no. I think fertilizers in general, when it's a new plant and it's um, going in a pot or something where it's got a good full root system on it, root stimulator then sounds fine to me. But when it's already stressed, which it is stressed, this azalea is losing lots of roots because Robbie's going to cut them off when he picks, digs it up <laughs> to move it. Uh, I think then root simulator is probably not the greatest thing you can do. No. Okay. Well, I will, I will follow your instructions. All right. Good luck with it. Try to pick a cloudy day to work in. That's better for you, gotcha. Robbie. Thank you. You bet. We'll see you, man. 404-872-0750 is our number here. In the next half hour, John Indicator wants to know, did cutting a root on his dogwood kill it? It's going to be a little CSI right here to figure out what happened to his dogwood. Susan Lilburn says, a pre-emergent, can he use it on a moss garden? That's a possibility. Ted up in Lake Lanier has, needs grass for full or semi-sun. Maybe sod some fescue. Have some advice on that. Right now it's 817, and we'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. Your mind. Have a drink, have a drive, go out and 
Well, in the summertime, there's lots of things to do in the summertime besides gardening, isn't there? Sure there is. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, chance of thunderstorms all day long, mostly cloudy. High of 64, low of 69. Tomorrow, partly cloudy the same. Afternoon, stray showers possible. High of 81, low of 69. And your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Steve in Lawrenceville has something he would rather not have in his landscape. What are you finding, Steve? Hey, yeah, Steve. I have. Uh, yes. Hey, Walter. Hey, man. I have. Uh, I have. Um, well, this em- in em- I was at Emerald Isle in in South Carolina. Anyway, the we had these orange mushrooms that that come up. Yeah. And they smell. Yeah. Big time, and I mean, you know, and you have to search for it to find it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there something smells bad out here. <laughs> you have to look for it yeah. to see. It's a good thing they're orange. At least they stand out, so to speak, so you can see the things yeah. and they stand them out. There are two or three stinkhorn mushrooms that come in various forms and shapes, I guess. There's one called the stinking squid stinkhorn mushroom. There's one that... Um, how can I describe this on family radio? I can't describe it on family radio. There's one that's very erect, shall we say, and uh, sticks out of the ground, yeah. and that is a different kind of stinkhorn mushroom. But if you want to see all the pictures I have accumulated of people like you who say, I have a stinky orange thing going out of the ground, go yeah. on my website, type the word stinkhorn in the search line, you'll see every one that I've ever collected. It's <laughs> really interesting. You know, it's all about rain and moisture, and they're, they're just decomposer mushrooms. This is all they are, Steve. And if you want to prevent them, the easiest thing to do is if you have a mulch pile or wood chips or something like that, just rake it every, every once in a while to break up the mycelium of the mushroom underneath the uh, underneath the wood, the chips or anything. Yeah, That's the best oh, you can it, do. There's no spray it's also or anything. All, it's, I mean, it's also coming up in the ivy. Yeah, well, there's some something being decomposed underneath the ivy. There's some chips or something where that mushroom's being. Oh, okay. That's what it lives on. Okay. All right. So, Tell everybody that's you. a stinkhorn mushroom, and you found one, and <laughs> they can have it. <laughs> I will. Really it's a bunch of them, though. Yeah, sure. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much. Good talking to you, Bye-bye. Steve. Thanks for calling. John Indicator has a mystery we got to figure out on his dogwood tree. What did you do to the dogwood, John? Well, Walter, I have this dogwood that's close to a detached garage, and it's, I guess, about 10 feet in diameter at the base. So not yeah. really, really, I'm sorry, 10 inches. Okay. Not really, really big. Um, and I had a professional tree company come out and clear out a bunch of privet and azaleas and other things in this sort of no man's land area that just was not looking good. But we saved the dogwood. Everything's fine. Good. Except that when I was trying to dig up all the roots from the azaleas and other things like that, I had my reciprocating saw out. And when I was cutting through this one root that I was sure was part of the trees that I'd taken out, it turns out that I realized as I traced it back that it was part of the dogwood. So it is a root that is maybe, I don't know, uh, 12 inches, 18 inches away. It's a surface root. And I started cutting it, and I noticed because of the the resistance of the wood that this was a different root from any of the other ones. And so I stopped it. And, um, you know, I don't know how much of the root uh, uh, structure I damaged, but I definitely cut through this probably – Three-fourths of the way, and if I were to guess, it's probably a root that's an inch and a half or two inches in diameter. Uh, okay, so, good. That was going to be the next question. How big is the root? So it's wrist size, a little bit smaller than wrist yeah. size. Yeah, so I didn't finish cutting through it, and I just I just stopped and panicked and said, okay, what do I do now? Do I do I make it clean and just, just do I leave it alone? Do I, what, what do I, 
dude, I can't undo what I've done. Does the dogwood look pretty healthy otherwise before you cut the root? Was the dogwood looking pretty healthy? It it was, and I think that the leaves are drooping a little bit right now, but I can't mm. tell if they've always drooped because, again, it's really close to a garage, planted way too close by the former owner, and I just don't think there's enough room. That, you know, Half of the room for the roots are underneath the concrete driveway in the garage. So it's not the best-looking tree to start, but I can't tell yet if the damage is done, which was yeah. about three months ago. Here's what I would do. If, it is more, if you dig around that cut and see that it's more than halfway through the root, I would go ahead and finish the cut, clean cut, and let the tree do the healing all of itself. If it is less than halfway through the root, I'd leave it alone. Let the tree, again, do the healing all by itself. And then, as your penance, John, I want to sentence you to a penance, which is going to be go to WalterReeves.com, type one word, rejuvenate, in the search line, which will take you to a page that has a formula for making up this rejuvenation mulch thing with milorganite and soil conditioner and stuff that you spread on the ground underneath the dogwood, and then use a, um, a spading fork or a pitchfork to sort of rock back and forth and work this stuff gradually into the ground underneath the dogwood. And it'll give new slow-release fertilizer to the dogwood. It'll mulch the ground and keep it cool, which is what a dogwood wants. It'll keep it more moist because that's the other thing that dogwood wants. And those rejuvenation formula things together, I think, will help the dogwood if it's going to survive any damage done to the root, which I'm not sure is fatal to it. But if it, if it does happen to be a real <clears throat> stressor for the dogwood, the rejuvenation formula will help. So go to WalterReeves.com, type rejuvenate in the uh, search line, and go get it done. And I think that dogwood is probably not going to be hurt. I think you'll be fine with it. Thanks for calling, John. we got to get out of here. More Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 836 and 72 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden, my friends. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your garden, doing whatever you want to do. Just give me an idea of what you want to do, and I'll get you there somehow, somewhere. 404-872-0750 to get you in to talk about, well, whatever's on your mind this morning in your garden. First, let's go to the phones. Mickey Gasaway, my friend from Pike Nursery, is here to talk about what is the Pike Pick of the Weekend. Hey, Mickey. Let me get Mickey back in here. There it is. There we go. Hey, Mickey, good morning. Hello. Can you hear me now? I hear you now. It's just okay. fine. Okay. How are you? <sighs> sort of enjoying summer, as a matter of fact. I sat on my porch yesterday. I have a little swing on my porch, and I sat on it, and there was this huge rainstorm came down, and I thought, man, I'm just lucky to be alive, to see the oh, rain absolutely. come down, and I'm dry. And, you know, and I don't and have to turn on the sprinklers the or anything. The place is getting watered. Everybody's happy. The birds were singing before. The birds came out were singing afterwards. It was just a great couple of hours yesterday afternoon. Sure was, yeah. Mickey. Yes, it was. And you and your garden, how are you feeling? We had a good one. The hummingbirds are going like crazy. Good. And everything is looking good. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good time. I got my little cypress vine has just started climbing up my arbor, so cypress vine has little red flowers on it. Yeah. That'll be getting the hummingbirds in before we know it, so that'll be fun for me to see them, too. My 
purple hyacinth bean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, I use a different annual vine every year, and that's the one I did this year, and it looks pretty. I don't think the hummingbirds like it, but sure it's pretty on the Pretty fine. Anyway. Sure it is. Well, let's get down to business. What is the pike pick of the weekend 20% off? Okay. Well, no, it's not 20% off. Oh. It's half off. Oh, man. 50% off. off. Let's go. Um, and you don't even have to ask. Um, it's the Miss Huff Lantana. Easy. Right. And it's... Um, Certain varieties of Rudbeckia. I I think it's all the six and a half inch. It looks to me like I tried all the six and a half inch pots of Rudbeckia. Right. And they're all of these are normally nine ninety nine, and they're four ninety seven, right. and they're cool. beautiful, cool, so cool, cool. pretty. And they're grown. These are the ones that are grown by Pike, right? You have That's the right. They're bro- grown at the Pike Farm. Right. Good. Wow, Miss Huff Lantana, that's a nice plant. It's probably a pretty good size, and that's one the butterflies just love. Just and love the hummingbirds like it, and I don't understand that, but it is it, that and black and blue salvia are like magnets for the hummingbirds. Wow, that'd be a nice combination, actually. The Miss Huff yeah, and, and plant them underneath your show. hummingbird feeders, you will get them. That would be a great idea. And the goldstorm, the uh, Rudbeckia. The goldstorm comes back every year, big yellow banks of yellow flowers and lasts for a pretty long time during right. the summertime. That's a great plant, too. Half off, 50% off. That's right. And the other ones, the annual varieties are the great big, huge ones. Uh-huh. And, um, but they're pretty, too. And sometimes those recede themselves for me. Sometimes I'll have some go with those. Come How back. are we doing for classes this week? Any classes coming Oh, we've up? got one of my favorites, which is the succulent class. Uh-huh. And it's, we're going to have it uh, Tuesday night. It's going to be at Peachtree City. Wednesday night, it's going to be at Swanee. Thursday night, it's going to be here at West Cobb. And Saturday morning, it's going to be in Lin- at Lindbergh. And it, it's a fun class because I am a succulent nut. And so it's it's really a fun class. Are you teaching all these, Mickey? Yeah, I'm doing all these. Does Pike pay your airfare to get from place to place to place around Atlanta? They play stay in. That's the mileage for your husband. Bless his heart, carrying you around the oh, Mickey yeah. Gasway taxi service. Stand, <laughs> That's right. Stand My own Uber. <laughs> do, you, do you call him up? Do you have an app that says, Stand, pick me up today? We're going to PC <laughs> yeah, City tonight. Yeah, I need one of those. I need one of those. <laughs> so, once again, we got all the Lantana, Miss Huff Lantana, I should say, and the selected varieties of the Rudbeckia, the Black Eyed Susan, will be on sale, 50% off all Pike Nursery locations. And if you want to go to the succulent class and meet my friend Mickey Gazaway, she would be there four or five nights in the coming week or so. You get the details at pikenursery.com, of course. What else do we need to talk about just briefly this morning, Mickey? Well, I don't know. Everything's everything's looking really good here. So. I'll tell you one thing that's good to do is once in a while, I know it never happens to you, but once in a while for me, I have one plant that'll die in the middle of a whole bunch of other plants like yeah. Dinka or something like that. This is a great time to go to Pike Nursery and get replacement plants for the ones that petered out in the middle of your bed. And this is a fine time to plant. We seem to have a lot of rainfall, and it just seems like this would be a great time to do a little replacement editing in the garden and get some more flowers to put in. Yeah, I had planted last week. I uh, I had been looking for a winter jasmine yeah. for two or three years and didn't realize we had it. And we did, and it was already on sale. And I bought it and planted it, and it rained every day. And it looks <laughs> so happy out You're there. You're a happy, so. happy gardener <laughs> for that. Yeah. Well, Mickey, let's close and get back to the phones here. So if we wanted to find out where the local Pike Nursery was, where the nearest one is to you, even if you're in North Carolina... Where That's would right. you go? Where would you go to find the local Pike Nursery? At 
MiltonPikeNursery.com. And that Milton location is coming on, be soon, open soon this fall, I think. Is that That's right? That's right. That's what I understand. I can't wait. Looking forward to going to Milton this fall. Mickey, it's great too. talking to you. See you soon. You have a great wet day. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mickey Gasly is my great friend at Pike Nursery. We've known each other for, what, 20, 25 years? I can't remember how long the two of us have known each other. She's a great, great, great gardener. I value her advice. Susan is in Lilburn, Georgia, and joins me on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Susan, good morning. Good morning. Hi, how um, can I help? Well, I have an existing moss garden yeah. that's a bit of a challenge keeping it weeded, and I'm wondering if I can put pre-emergent on it. I've been asked this question before. And my answer was, I don't know of any pre-emergent that is specifically labeled for use on moss. In other words, it won't hurt the moss when you put it on there. But the answer that I've also been told and have done myself several times is Roundup does not seem to affect moss nearly as, as much as it does most broadleaf weeds. And I have right. been very successful in my neighbor's moss. I can't say this is for every variety. As you know, there are lots of species of moss. But mm -hmm. for every species, I can't guarantee this. But I have gone back with a little light, little mist of Roundup. Just spray the weeds, try not to get much on the moss. And it kills the weeds in a heartbeat. And the moss seems to me not ever to be affected. So okay. one solution, rather than using, using pre-emergent, is just to walk very gently on your moss garden and give a little tiny squirt, or maybe um, you could even paint the Roundup on a little paintbrush and paint it onto the weeds, or you could, one guy last week was talking about putting a rubber glove on one hand and a cotton sock over that, and then dipping the sock oh. into a little bit of Roundup and then tapping onto the leaves of weeds that he wanted to get out of his good plants. So if you can control the Roundup, that might be your best bet for controlling weeds in the moss. Okay. All right, I'll try that. All right. Thank you very much. Nothing to it. Thanks for calling, Susan. Uh-huh. We've got, who's next in here? Spencer. Spencer's up in Roswell and joins us. Hey, Spencer. Good, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you doing? Doing fine. How can I help? I have a uh, Japanese maple. It's a young Japanese maple I actually got out of uh, the backyard of my mom's house, and yeah. I put it in a pot, and um, it has uh, powder mildew, I believe, on its leaves. It's starting to cloud up, and yeah. I was wondering uh, what I could do to prevent it um, from, or I guess, you know, improve it and prevent it from happening in the future. So it's not very big, right, Spencer? Right. It's a younger one, a younger well, plant. One option is to get a little bit of um, what's called horticultural oil. Uh, neem oil is an example. There are two or three more. Sun spray is one, maybe another two. But anyway, get a horticultural oil. And much like I was advising the lady just now of putting a, a rubber glove on your hand and then a cotton sock over the top of that, dip the tip of your cotton sock into a little bit of this horticultural oil and just wipe it across the powdery mildew on the leaves of the Japanese maple. Do it on five leaves at first. Wait three days to make sure there's no damage to the leaf. I don't think there will be, but you always want to test to make sure when you're using oil on, on leaves. But um, wipe it on there, and powdery mildew, those spores, because they're on the surface of the leaf, the oil sometimes suffocate the spores, so you don't have to use, per se, a fungicide. What you're using is just something that's dissolves the spores, for lack of a better word, in the oil and wipe it across the leaf and then uh, see if that doesn't control the powdery mildew pretty well by itself. Awesome. I'll give it a try. All right. Let me know what happens, Spencer. I would love to know if you get a little feedback from you. I will. I'll do it. Thanks, Walter. Thanks, sir. Bye. We've got uh, Denise in Villa Rica who joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Denise, what you doing? Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm well, thank you. 
Um, I am calling about a volunteer oak tree. Yeah. It's about three feet tall. It's starting to spread out. Mm-hmm. Of course, the chipmunks planted it for me. Uh-huh. I really don't want it there. How? What is the best way to get rid of it? Why can't you just like clip it at the ground level and be done with it? Well, I did. It came back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then, let's get a little more, more strength in here. Clip it at ground level again and spray that cut stump with Roundup to keep it from re-sprouting. Okay. Well, I'll try that. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah. And, you know, of course, the Roundup is going to kill anything around the volunteer oak, so be careful mm-hmm. if you've got grass or flowers or something like that around mm-hmm. it. But Roundup is a pretty potent re-sprouting, re-sprouting inhibitor. And that's what you want. So it doesn't come back every time you cut it back. Sweet gums come back for me every time I cut them down. So I'm out there spraying well, a little squirt. I hate sweet gums. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Me too. So give it a little squirt, and I think that'll control it pretty nicely. Okay, thanks so much. Enjoy yeah, but, your show. Hey, thanks for calling, Denise. I got to think we've got time here because Nancy speaks so fast. I'm sure Nancy in Snellville would like to get herself done and out of the way this morning. Nancy, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. What you got, Nancy? I've got a royal purple smoke tree that is turning green. Hmm. Well, if you could just get it air-conditioned, it would be so much better. <laughs> it's mostly uh, to do with Well, heat. I have air-conditioning. It's just not Not cold. on the royal smoke purple tree. It mostly has to do with the heat. Uh, it's the process that I call viridescence, V-I-R-I-D-E-S-C-E-N-C-E. Viridescence, which is when normally purple-leaf things, even Japanese maples are commonly doing this. In the heat of the summertime, you'll get that purple color, pretty color in the spring, early summer, and then by July, August, it's getting pretty sort of purpley green. And when it cools down in the fall, it'll purple back up again. So I think you've got nothing to worry about other than it's not going to be royal purple quite. It'll be royal purpley green for the rest of the summer or until it cools down. Great. That's just what I wanted to hear. All right, then. Glad to do it for you. Thank you, Walter. You bet, Nancy. Thanks for calling. It's 847 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Man, it's a hot one. Like seven inches from the midday sun. Well, I hear you whisper. Weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It will definitely not be cold today. Chance of thunderstorms, mostly cloudy, high of 84 degrees, low of 69 overnight. Tomorrow, partly cloudy in the afternoon. Stray shower possible, high of 81, low of 69. Your full weekend forecast comes within 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And Jerry in Franklin, North Carolina, joins us right now. Hey, Jerry, good morning. Hey, Walter, how are you? Hey, man, I'm fine. What's up? Well, I got a soil test from my county agent. Says I need some lime on my centipede lawn. Yeah. It is an established lawn, okay. and I need to know whether or not I should aerate when I put it down. It's not going to matter much, frankly. Um, if I were choosing, would I go aerate first and lime second? 
I might lime first and aerate second simply because aeration helps a little bit to mix the lime into the soil and lime itself, Jerry, is really slow to dissolve from the surface down to two or three inches where the roots are. So I guess lime and then aerate. That's what I would do. All right, great. Thanks so much, Walter. And my compliments, by the way, Jerry, knowing how smart you are because A, you got a university soil test report and B, you're following it. That's two things in your favor. You did a good thing, Jerry. Well, thanks. I can uh, I can owe that to my wife. She told me what to do. <laughs> Thank her then, too. Great talking to you, Jerry. Drive safely, man. Thanks so much. Appreciate we'll, it. You bet. We'll see you soon. we got Ted Lanier joining us this morning. Hey, Ted, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Quick question. Yes, so sir. we bought a home on Lake Lanier. Yep. We've got a small yard on either side of the driveway, and we want to sod that. Um, it gets... A good bit of sun on one side, not quite as much on the other, but just to tell you how much sun it gets on the other side, we put in three raised gardens, five by ten raised gardens, yeah. and they're going crazy. They've right. got tomatoes, cucumbers, squash, right. beans, right. so it gets enough sun, obviously, on that side you know, to support the grass. We were thinking fescue, okay. but just wanted to see what you thought. How much sun does it get? Does it have that good of a garden? It sounds like it's pretty sunny there to me. Yeah, yeah, and that's on the the, the less sunny side. So I yeah. just wanted to. We came from a home that had Bermuda, kind of yeah. on a golf course, but we don't get that kind of sun. Well, uh, zoysia is another possibility. I'm worried about finding sod for fescue this time of year. Um, I don't know how well, much we fescue is available. Well, we were going to do it. We were looking more in the fall. Oh, okay. We ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the fall's fine. I think your two okay. choices are fescue and uh, zoysia. You can find the fescue a little bit later because it takes a while to get into the pipeline to get uh, produced in South Georgia then into the pipeline here in Atlanta. So it may be October, November-ish, which is perfect for planting fescue. Fine, no problem there. If I did choose zoysia, I'd almost want to wait until May of next year because zoysia in the heat of the summer may not have quite enough time to get rooted down. It probably would be okay if you did it right this minute and made sure it was watered for the rest of the summertime. So if you were to consider and think a little bit more about zoysia, you could do that now. Just water it. So what would be your druther? You'd rather have the zoysia or you'd rather have the fescue? <laughs> hey, boy, that's a real tough one, Ted. I, I'd flip a coin. I mean, there are advantages to both. Fescue, of course, green all year long, and you may want that. The zoysia, of course, turns brown in the wintertime. Probably a little bit better for creeping and, and, and you know, filling in holes and getting weeds out of control and things like that. Uh, flip a coin, Ted. You and your spouse, y'all figure out what you're going to do up there. I can see either way would be okay with me. It's 8.56 on a Saturday morning. I just want to say that if you did not get your question answered today, you can always go to my website, and there's lots more to get on my website besides just getting questions answered, one of which is to subscribe to the newsletter, which we are working on real hard to get interesting articles, as we always have now for 14 years. That newsletter has gone out every other Thursday. Last issue was about birds in the chimney. The chimney swifts were in somebody's chimney. Another guy had um, leaf-footed bugs on blueberries. Leaf-footed bugs are famous for getting into blueberries. Tomatoes, okra is a big uh, host for leaf-footed bugs. I had pictures of that. A lady sent in a pig-like creature that was eating her milkweed. What was this pig-like creature on her milkweed? She wanted to know about that. This is how I get all the questions and answers for the newsletter. People send me pictures. <laughs> they send me a picture, and I can figure out what's going on. 
then I post it in the newsletter, and you get the benefit of that to see what's going on with your particular plants. It might be similar to someone else. Oh, the one, the last uh, Q&A in the last issue of the newsletter was a guy whose cucumber vine started out round and then within four or five feet turned flat. It was two inches wide and completely flat. And he said, what the devil is going on here? And I explained to him about what fasciation is, how stems become fasciated. So you can subscribe to the newsletter on my website. You can follow me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter. I Twitter things and Facebook posts during the week two or three times there. We got uh, Pinterest pages, nothing but weed control on the Pinterest page, nothing but pictures of weeds and how to control them. All that there at WalterReed.com. Another reason Saturday is so much fun is because I get to spend it with, Jay, with Ashley Frasca, who has been working like a crazy lady doing traffic on TV, radio, screening calls. And I'm moving to a houseboat. And she's moving to a houseboat yeah. because she heard a guy this morning who lived on a houseboat. She wants to do that. Jason Byers brought us the most surprising garden music in the world on a Saturday morning, which always keeps us on our toes. It makes us happy to have him with us as well. Jason, Ashley, Walter, we're a team, and Saturday mornings is part of our teamwork every week. Dave Baker's part of the team as well, and he's on the, on the lot. He'll be here in just a minute. The whole thing show is straight ahead. <laughs> 